0: Although nobody signs up for your newsletter because they care about your family or your dog or your personality, they, they come for the information. But the reason they, they connect and I think ultimately call you is because they like you. They feel like there's a connection. And I think that's the, the missed piece for a lot of small professionals like us. We're, you know, we're concerned that we're not going to be taken seriously or look professional, that we get rid of all that stuff. And I think that's the key advantage we have relative to the faceless companies. You're listening to Michael Katz, who writes one of my all
1: time favorite email newsletters. Why? Because Michael's emails are loaded with personality, yet, he always slips in terrific advice on the topic at hand. For years, Michael has written newsletters for and helped service based solopreneurs establish their own email newsletters. So, as you might expect, Michael has a wealth of practical tips for doing just that. And you're about to hear them now, because Michael is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own
0: solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello,
1: solopreneurs. Today I'm interviewing Michael Katz. He calls himself the chief penguin at Blue Penguin Development, but really as the likable expert on e-newsletters, Michael's the guy that I turn to when I'm looking for fresh ideas for writing exciting and interesting email newsletters for myself and for my clients. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So Michael, welcome to the show.
0: Great to be here, Steve. Thank you.
1: Michael, I've been reading your email newsletter for many years myself, and I don't even remember where I first heard of you, actually, at this point. It's been been a long time. I regularly enjoy reading them, and it makes sense because you are the guy that people turn to to learn how to write entertaining and uh, enjoyable newsletters, things that people actually love to read, which is important because if they don't read it, who cares? But for those who aren't familiar with how powerful of a business tool e-newsletters can be, why do they even matter?
0: Well... You know, I stumbled onto email newsletters, so I always say that I came to it honestly. I wasn't planning to be in the newsletter business. I left my job in 2000 to become a marketing consultant, and I just started publishing. It wasn't even a newsletter back then. There was no such thing in 2000. There was no constant contact or MailChimp, but I used to. I liked the internet. It was a big thing then, and I used to write about it every couple of weeks, and I'd email it to people maybe 30 people that I had worked with. And when I left, kept doing it. And um, what happened was people started to ask to be added to the list, which is normal today, but was really weird back then. Like, who are you? But I, okay. And but what happened was because I was putting useful content out there and I wasn't trying to sell anything cause I was just writing a lot of things, good things happened for my business. People would call me, people wanted to have lunch. People would invite me to speak. And eventually, I realized it was because I was staying in front of people with this no strings attached useful information that they were coming to me. So that became the key marketing tool that I use and still use. And I find it works really well for professionals. All my clients are professional service providers, coaches, writers, consultants, who are really good at what they do, but, you know, we're kind of suspicious of marketing and hate selling. And this sort of gets rid of that but still causes the phone to ring. So it's, it's been a great tool.
1: Yeah. And it really can be. And it's funny because a lot of people that are in business, they think of, Oh, I have to provide great content. But what really sets you apart in my mind is it's not just great content. It's beyond that. It's, it's personality infused. It has the ability to make a connection with, with the reader in a way that kind of reveals who you are kind of behind the scenes and, and makes you a real person. And not just like a faceless corporation, you know, Here's, you know, the tip of the day, which is great. And, and a lot of people have a lot of success with those kind of newsletters. But I guess, you, have you always been kind of that kind of a humorous personality? Has that always shine through in your newsletters? Because that's what I've always noticed in your newsletters.
0: I think I've always been that way, but that was not the way I approached marketing when I worked for a faceless corporation for 12 years. It was all about the offer and volume and repeating, you know, advertising over and over again. So this was a totally new thing to me. Here too, I kind of stumbled on it accidentally because I was not trying to sell anything. I didn't really see this as related to my business. I, I had a lot of freedom to just kind of be authentic because why not? But what I noticed, it took me a while to realize was that although nobody signs up for your newsletter because they care about your family or your dog or your personality, they, they come for the information. But the reason they, they connect and I think ultimately call you is because they like you. They feel like there's a connection. And I think that's the, the missed piece for a lot of small professionals like us. We're, you know, we're concerned that we're not going to be taken seriously or look professional, that we get rid of all that stuff. And I think that's the key advantage we have relative to the faceless companies. You know, like Procter & Gamble can't tell you what they did over the weekend. It's very, you know, it's well-written, shiny stuff. We can. And again, I think the reason people hire us, whatever it is you do, is yeah, you have to be good at what you do. Problem is, everyone you compete with is just as good. And even if you're a little bit better in whatever it is, uh, I can't tell as a potential client. Like I always say, you don't know how medically capable your own doctor is. And it doesn't actually matter. As long as she went to medical school and got out, she's fine. And so are a thousand other doctors. If you like your doctor, It's because the way she talks to you, because they treat you in the office, you know, whatever it is. So this squishy stuff I discovered is actually the secret weapon for small companies, especially tiny companies, uh, which is the only people I work with, five people or fewer down as solos. Um, And so now I deliberately do it. And I end up kind of coaching my clients because everyone's reluctant at first to reveal too much of that stuff.
1: Yeah, it can be, it can be a vulnerable to, to put yourself in a place where it's like, okay, this is what happened. And it may be rather personal at some what you share. And of course, there has to be a balance there, I think, how much you don't want to overshare with a professional audience. Okay. But at the same time, that's part of building relationship. You know, it's really about people getting to know who you are as an individual, as, as why should I work with this person? Because we are more than just one set of skills. We are an individual that we're going to communicate together, we're going to work together, perhaps even side-by-side, side, depending on the service business it is, and this is this somebody who I really do like and know and trust, and that comes out through the personality sharing you, you have in the newsletters, and that's exactly what you do, and now you, you started, you said you had a job, and you left it in 2000, and I think you were like an MBA, if I recall correctly, uh, so mm-hmm. what were you doing prior to getting into the, the marketing realm? Were you doing marketing uh, then?
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm embarrassed to say I, I worked for the cable company. Uh, but but the contrast to me was so yes i i was in marketing for 12 years it had nothing to do with marketing as a solo i mean i had a huge budget i had a staff i had a brand name that people recognized and none of that stuff relates now to me as a solo um even after all this time that i've been on my own i don't have any of that so it didn't, it didn't transfer over, which was kind of a shock because I had been used to, you know, I like give somebody your business card and they recognize the company name. And it was also, uh, even though we all think of marketing as creative, marketing at a huge company like that is a, is a numbers job. It's, you know, it's all spreadsheets and stuff like that. It's not particularly creative. And so I find this is a much better fit for me. I mean, that, my job was fine, but this is a totally different world than marketing in a big company.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And now you not only you write email newsletters, I, I take it you still write email newsletters for clients, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you also teach people how to do that. So how, how does that balance your business? You kind of do both now. So how does that look like in your day to day business as far as teaching people how to write newsletters as opposed to you writing for them? And, and what's the differences there?
0: Uh, so it's probably half and half. I mean, at one point, 10 years ago, probably 85% of what I did was newsletters. But then as the more I'd been, the longer I'd been on my own, the more people would come to me and say, hey, you know, I want to work for myself and you seem to have (laughs) survived. Can you help me? And so I started getting into more of this sort of coaching thing. And so it's not all newsletters. I still do, again, half of it is newsletters. But the other half is some type of helping you set up and run your own business. So I do do webinars, I have some products, and then I would mostly work one-on-one with people on you know, what's sort of generically called marketing communications. So I'm helping people everything from what do you say when someone says, what do you do for a living to what's on LinkedIn and your homepage and your newsletter. And you know, basically how do you present yourself in a usually written way to the outside world? Because, because people like us don't have advertising budgets, we all live off of word of mouth. What I found is and still find is that most people think word of mouth is luck like finding money on the street, can't make it happen. What I found is it's random, but it's not luck. The better you are at explaining what you do in a way that other people can remember it and understand it, the more likely they are to tell other people about you. That's all word of mouth is. And that's really all a newsletter is. It's a very scalable way to stay top of mind. And along the way, people sort of figure out what you do. And and a tiny percentage of them hire you. I mean, it's not a lot, but it doesn't have to be because it costs me nothing to send one more person a newsletter. So as long as I keep publishing, some portion of those people talk about you, call you. And as you said, they feel like they know you, even though they really don't. So it makes the conversation much easier because it's not, it's not really a stranger thing. Right? It's funny how all of complete strangers ask me about like my kids, you know, very specifically, like, how's your son in Memphis? I don't even know who they are. <laughs> But when you think of how selling works, if, so, if you trust the other person, that's a big difference. And again, since I don't really know anything about selling, I found that very helpful, uh, especially in the beginning. And again, I find my clients who are all professionals like that, you know, they just want to do the work, but you have to have clients. So this really helps in that way.
1: Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't take, especially for solopreneurs, it doesn't take a whole lot of clients for us to make a very good living. I usually have any given time a handful of clients. I'm not sure how many it takes for you to, to make a great living, but most solopreneurs can find, you know, at five, ten, maybe fifteen, twenty clients. They're more than capable of creating the lifestyle that they desire, and it doesn't take a whole lot. And like I said, if you build a newsletter, it's not luck. It's it's about that long-term relationship building, and clients or potential clients may not need you today, but they're going to remember you. And then next year or two years down the road, even, they're like, oh, I need somebody who can do X, Y, Z. And this is the person I've been loving their newsletter all this time. And, and I, I trust them. I know who they are. And I'm going to reach out to that person first. And so you have like a, a hidden advantage there built in just because you've built that relationship over time. And like you said, it doesn't toss you no. a, a second longer than but you're writing everybody else anyways.
0: Right. I mean, I always say like, I don't spend any time trying to talk to people I don't know. I just try and continually stay in front of the people I do know and people I know defined as if I called you up, I wouldn't have to introduce myself. That's a pretty big group of people for all of us. It's not just clients. It's people, you know, the problem is, you know, you meet somebody at an event like, you know, we met recently down an event in Florida. So a bunch of people, no matter how good the conversation is, you're not, you're not going to keep in touch with those people. But my approach has always been, if I invite you to get my newsletter and you say yes, now I can stay in touch with you. And so it's this little machine that's kind of churning in the background and that even though you may forget who they are, you keep being in front of them. And, and I have that happen all the time. People will say, you know, I've been on your list for five years and now I'm calling you. So I think whether it's a newsletter or podcast like you're doing or even just working your network, I think the mistake a lot of us make is we're so busy trying to be found by strangers, whether that's Google or even something like Twitter or Instagram, which are stranger based. But we ignore all these people we know. I try and stay in touch with the people I know and I find that that makes a big difference. It's not a ton of people. But as you said, most people like us, we don't need thousands or even hundreds of clients in a given year, you need you know, dozens maybe. The most, right. And
1: I like what you said about networking too, because you actually, do some in-person networking and you have a great event. You know, I've actually been down here a couple of times with my boys. You're right across the border. I live in New Hampshire and you're down in Massachusetts. And I'd love for you to kind of share with our audience because I think it was just a fascinating, uh, terrific idea. I love what you do. Uh, just tell us what you do every year.
0: Yeah, so on my fifth anniversary, I had a coach at the time and she said, well, what are you gonna do to celebrate your fifth year in business? And I said, I don't know, like, go home early. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 you have to do something. So. I just came up with this idea that I would host an ice cream party at a place, very popular ice cream place in Massachusetts called Kimball Farms, and I invite everyone on my newsletter to come, and I pay for the ice cream, and I probably get, I don't know, 40, 45 people show up, I've done it now 15 years in a row, since my fifth anniversary, and It's just completely informal. Usually half the people I've never met, even though often I've talked to them because they've been on the list in some way, but it turned out to be a really good thing. It, I didn't start it as a way to generate business, but often what happens is someone will talk to me at the party and the next thing you know, we're doing some work together, but I like it because anyone can do it or anything like that does not cost me a lot of money. And I think hosting is a good thing to do. In fact, another example is maybe every couple of months, I will invite a dozen solo professionals to come to my office where we have this nice conference room in the office building I'm in for a couple of hours. It's free. We'll pick a topic like pricing or isolation and working alone. And we just sit around for a couple of hours, 12 people, because that's all I can fit in the conference room, and There's no agenda other than that. There's no cost, but it's a way for people to get to know each other. But because I'm hosting it, it's like I'm networking with 12 people all at once and I don't even have to leave my office. And the whole thing costs me some donuts and, you know, a couple of things of coffee from Starbucks. So anyone can do it. I think people are often thinking, well, who am I to do this kind of thing? But it's really easy to host an event like that. Could be an online thing. I find that, People like us like to get together with other people because you know we work alone, and a lot of people feel isolated. So, just an opportunity to do that, but it's a good way to enhance your relationships without a lot of commitment or cost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember we talked about that. We were having lunch together down at, at the AWI boot camp. We actually met it in the spring, and uh, I was shocked how how actually affordable it was for you to do ice cream for like you know 40, 50 people. Like I was like I was like actually floored. I um, mean, just how inexpensive it really was. If you think about it, you know, put it together compared to like doing a big event or something. Right. And yet it's, it's a very uh, entertaining way to meet people and really grow a kind of a face-to-face relationship and put a face to a name. And, and like you said, you can even bring some business out of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been to, some, I've been to things other people have done. I know uh, a guy who invites people. All he does is says, we're all going to meet at this like hotel bar. It's like six o'clock on a Wednesday. So there's like nobody there and everybody buys their own drink and we sit around. He doesn't pay anything. And all we have in common is that we know him, but so there's, you know, 10 people or whatever, talking, chatting. And again, because he's the instigator of it, it's like he is sort of super networker for that event. I know uh, two people who occasionally will rent a hotel room and like a, like a little, you know, place that you could probably seat 15 people in it. And they just, you know, they have to pay for breakfast or something. And same thing, people just connect. So I think there's a lot of opportunities if you're a little bit creative, and you don't need permission, you can just do it.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's a good point, too, because you, you don't need permission. Just, right. You know, reach out to people you already know and say, hey, you know, let's, let's strengthen this connection we have here. Maybe you have something in your business that you can be a help to somebody, or maybe it's just simply, Hey, let's just meet face-to-face and get out of the office for a bit or, or you know, just get out of the, the lonely sphere of, <laughs> of everyday business, which is nice. Right, right. And it, that's great. So I know you work a lot with, you know, you say this, businesses that are five people or less down to the solopreneurs. So who would be your best clients? How do you typically work with somebody that comes to you brand new? Maybe they've been on your email list for a little while. But, you know, what happens when somebody comes out, reaches to you and says, hey, Michael, can you help me with this newsletter? Or can you teach me how to write a newsletter? Yeah. How, does that, how does that process start with you?
0: Well, so I find the difference. I mean, my biggest client, probably 15 people. The difference, and they're all professional service. Again, I don't work with anybody who like sells stuff or they're not in retail or something. They're all you know, financial planners, consultants, recruiters, writers, coaches. So they have, the, uh, the, when it comes to marketing, it's kind of all the same. Also, the difference between a 15-person company and a solo in terms of marketing is kind of zero. I always say... There's nobody in the company who has the word marketing in their title. Once there's a marketing person inside, yeah, they see me as threatening and all that stuff. But it's usually, you know, a professional service firm, let's say they're consultants and the founder has three or four people working for him or her. Sometimes it's just straight, hey, we need a newsletter because we we believe that this thing's helpful. But other times, and this is more the case with solos, it's that they don't know how to talk and write about themselves in a way that's both clear and compelling. So I sort of sit on the line between coaching and consulting. I mean, coaching, you're not supposed to tell people what to do, you know, but I'm not an official trained coach. But at the same time, it's consulting I think of as like, I do it for you. So it's a little of both depends on who the person is, but I work with them to first figure out what does make you different. And what is your authentic voice? And who's your target audience? And what are you actually selling? It's not usually what they think it is. Like you're not selling financial planning, you're selling you know, security or whatever. Right. And then it's like, okay, how do we boil this stuff down so that when someone you meet at a networking meeting says, what do you do for a living? You don't just blah, blah, blah for 10 minutes and they don't know what you do. So, and then again, there is always some writing element, whether it's their LinkedIn or their webpage or whatever. And so it's, again, it's really, it's under the umbrella of marketing communications. Different people need different things, and since the, the numbers, as you said, are small, it's all customized based on what they want. I don't have a like a machine or a formula I run through, but I find this yeah, it's like eighty percent overlap in terms of what people need, and um, it's usually a couple of months, sometimes a three month kind of thing. And uh, away we go.
1: I think it's very interesting. You you mentioned about how you, I'm not a trained coach, but the, you know I don't think you need to be a trained coach either. I think you need what you need to do is be able to help people where they're at to get to the next level, and I think that any good coach, you know, that's that's what you provide. You help somebody move from where they are today to where they want to be tomorrow. And I agree. I
0: I always uh, qualify just because I have a lot of clients who are coaches and who are you know certified and trained. I mean, there is a there is a, a technique to coaching, which although I hope I'm good at what I'm doing, I don't claim to be, you know. I quote real coach, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. you know, I don't do assessments and I didn't, so I, again, but if you think about coaching and consulting that, you know, I'm sort of in the middle there.
1: Yeah. And that, that totally makes sense, especially yeah. the way you approach business and help people move forward uh, in that direction. So let's, let's say somebody is starting their newsletter. And you kind of mentioned part of this already, which is, you know, defining really what do you offer? And it's like you said, it's not financial services, it's security. Uh, or what have you, whatever you're offering there, besides defining what you do, what would be the first step of saying, okay, you're going to start a newsletter from day zero. Yeah.
0: What,
1: what do you do first? Besides obviously defining what that message, core message
0: is, how do you get started? Well, so I always use the metaphor of a newsletter is like a magazine, or an, maybe it's an analogy on it. So if you were going to start a magazine, there's some basic stuff. First of all, you wouldn't sit there and go, what are we all about back here the first question would be like who is this for and what's the magazine about and i find that people start from the perspective of what am i about what do i want people to know about me that's important to you but nobody reading your magazine actually cares at all so it's always who's the audience and a lot of times people be like well it could be anything and i'm like yeah i know it could be anybody but you need to target your audience like there's a difference between. Sports Illustrated and Sports Illustrated for kids, it's the same stuff, but it's completely different. The second thing then is, and I'll say to people, what's your magazine about? It's not about your company. Again, with Sports Illustrated, it's not about Time Inc. <laughs> it's, it's what's happening in the world of sports in the last week, I mean, that's what Sports Illustrated is. Right. So, same thing, like, I want my newsletter and your newsletter to generate business for you, but it's only gonna work if somebody wants to read your magazine. So as simple as that all sounds, that's an hour discussion. <laughs> like who's the audience? And that comes down to, to me, it's like, okay, I know it could be a lot of people, but who's the perfect client? I mean, like if the phone were going to ring and on the other end is the perfect client, who is it? People can tell you that. Then Once you do it that way, people are like, oh, okay. And again, they'll say stuff like, oh, it's a, It's a 30 to 50 year old human. (laughs) I'm like, well, okay, so you basically just described like working America. I get them to say, no, it's a 47 year old woman with an MBA from Babson College, who's a, whatever. Because then they start to picture, this is my ideal client. And again, people can, can, are good at putting their finger on who it is. I'll even be like, okay, do they, are they chatty or are they all business? Do they look at you as a peer or an expert? Are they, have they been in business a long time? Or are they new? All that stuff is going to inform your newsletter. And then again, we talk about the subject matter. We talk about your voice. So now it does get into, what are you like? So, you know, I, I like to be funny. Sometimes people will say, well, can you make our newsletter funny? And I'll say, well, are you funny? Because if you're not, Even if they like your newsletter, if I make it funny and then you show up and they're like, who are are you? There's no ideal personality. We all have clients who love us. So, I mean, I have clients who are very serious. That's just the way they are. I don't want it to sound like me. It needs to sound like them. The perfect compliment is somebody meets you and says, oh, Steve, you're exactly like your newsletter because that's all this is. It's a proxy for having lunch with people. So there's, again, there's a lot of discussion about how do you come across with your best client? And, you know, I do draw people out. Most people, again, start off the default is they're pretty serious professional stuff, but they start to get more comfortable with the idea that you're looking to attract people who are like your best client, because wouldn't you like to have 10 more clients like your best client? However, you define that. So there's, there's a lot of discussion. I mean, I don't let people get anywhere near the topic of Like, what color should the banner be So we figured all this out? Because everybody wants to talk about the design and, you know, all this. And I'm like, that's great. But until you lay all the groundwork, you're going to, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time and not attract anybody. So there's a lot of that strategic, I guess, discussion.
1: Yeah, and I love what you said. It's really about being genuine, being who you truly are. Like you said, when you meet somebody, it's like, yeah, that's really who that person sounds like because that is that person It's coming across as a genuine human being and not just trying to put up a front or a facade. So I know a big question that comes up in newsletters for a lot of people is how often should I email? Is it weekly? Is it daily? Is it business days? Is it once a month? And that, that answer probably varies from one business to another. But do you have any you know, gut feeling from your experience working with
0: clients on what that is? Yeah, I mean, it does vary. And so it depends on what you're writing about. And also when I say newsletter, the ones I work on typically are six, seven, eight hundred words on a topic. So it's not just you had a thought. You could have one that's shorter. Like I have a, a separate blog that's like kind of a 200 word thing that I do much more frequently. But I find for most people and companies, once a month is right. The truth is twice a month is a better pace in terms of the marketing of your business. I found that's perfect. Every week, that's kind of a lot. Almost all my clients are, yeah, almost all of them, not all of them are once a month because twice a month would kill them because you know, you, you got a business to run. And the idea that you're gonna write something that you're happy to send out more than once a month, I find it's just not gonna happen. So I, I start everybody at once a month and I say, look, you wanna go f- more, more frequently after you've been doing, after you do six in a row, we'll talk about it. but. You don't wanna start off too fast and then have to back off. Now, I publish mine every two weeks, but I don't have anything else to do, that's what I do. And I find that pace is really good. People think I publish weekly, even though I don't, but it's enough that it doesn't take over my life, I get a week off in between, like I published last Friday, so I get this week off, which even though I like doing it, it's nice to know I don't have to worry about it this week. In terms of time of day and over the weekend, I think it mattered in the days when we used to all shut our computers down every night and certainly on Friday. Um, I think it matters a lot less because it's a sort of a seven by 24 thing. I try and look, think about when, when are people not in heavy delete mode? So even though you're, you're on your phone seven by 24, you're, you're going to sleep. And I don't know, I find that when I wake up or get to my office, the first thing I do is delete as much as possible. So I don't really want your newsletter coming out overnight I always like, you know, kind of 10 in the morning. Maybe you're getting a cup of coffee. Again, what about people on the West Coast if you're on the East Coast? So, you know, you kind of have to make a decision. But I don't think it matters for people like us nearly as much as, like, what time does Target send their email? That's more of a scientific when are you going to click to buy thing. For for us, again, it's just staying in front of people ongoing. And so I haven't found much difference for my own newsletter or my clients when we occasionally experiment with moving the day or the time. The truth is, the real question is, what can you commit to? Because the biggest problem is that your newsletter is never on fire. Like you never have to publish today. It's real easy to say, oh, I'm really busy. I can put it off. So I've been doing Fridays, you know, for 20 years. I like the idea that when I come in on Monday, I can kind of see it out there four days away. But because I have a schedule that makes me stick to it. And with all my clients, we come up with something. It'll be like third Thursday, second Tuesday. It doesn't matter. But I really, in the first year, really make sure they don't don't flinch on the day. Because they will. Yeah. Let them. You know, it's sort of like exercise. Like, You know, if you've been exercising regularly, you don't need anybody telling you to go to the gym. But when you first start off, you need that guy who calls you up and goes, Steve, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to seat me in 15 minutes. (laughs) Got to (laughs) bed." That's a lot of of what I do. I harass my clients going, okay, let's go. Got to publish in two weeks. But once you get a rhythm going, then it just becomes part of your work day.
1: Yeah. And I I find that fascinating too, because I've heard so much from so many marketers about you know, you've, you've got to publish frequently. I mean, if not weekly, we're talking about like daily, even. And that is, that is a huge chunk to bite off, and you're, especially if you're a solopreneur and you have got your plate full with just getting your day to day business done. And you're going to say, OK, now I've got to write this every single week. Um, yeah. I can see that. That could be to the point where it says, for, forget them. I don't have time for this. But can you make time for once a month or, or twice a month? Uh, that's certainly a lot more doable for most professionals. and I, I think that it really takes the stress off of yourself by saying, yeah, I can I do this. I can do this once a month. And I like that you said it. But also, at the same time, you're saying you need to put a date on it, put a deadline. Somebody needs to get you on target and keep you going. Call Michael. <laughs> Michael's going to help you stay on target yeah. or harass you until you get it done.
0: And I, and I would also add that we do do sort of all the social media re-broadcasting of the newsletter much more frequently. So, if you write a newsletter once a month, it's still going to go out on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and whatever else many more times. But that's a, those are different media. So, you know, the thing about LinkedIn, for example, is in the time you and I are on this call, all these posts in LinkedIn have gone by and they're gone forever. Like I'm not going to scroll back to see what someone posted three hours ago. Right. That's different than an email, which sits in somebody's inbox. So you have to sort of take into account that. You have to send a lot of stuff through social media for anybody to notice, whereas I only have to send you one email because until you delete it, it sits there. I mean, that's one of the reasons email is so effective. There's still more presence for people, but I'm saying the writing of it, which is the hard work once a month, and then everything from, you know, I record my newsletter as a podcast, so it's audio. And then I put it on LinkedIn and, then I, you know, do all kinds of other stuff. But the hard work only happens once. And then I just kind of repost it everywhere I can.
1: Right. It's repurposing existing content. Right. It just makes sense. And you've, got, you've even done the same thing with the book, as a matter of fact. You, you had a series of emails you did and you, you addressed it up. And right. I, I have the book on my Kindle, with, as a matter of fact. Great book. The book, for those who are looking for, is called The Likable Expert, 121 Funny Business Tips for Increasing Productivity. And it's really a, a great read. It's, it's like you can get through the whole book in like an hour and a half, but I suggest don't read it straight through or, or if you read straight through come back and then like read a tip a day because it's, it's really some some great thoughts in there i love it and I, I encourage anybody to get that one question i wanted to ask you before we wrap up and i know yeah i've really enjoyed this conversation i just talked to you all day mike what's next for you i mean is there is there something that you're going into for your next year business i mean you're doing coaching you're doing writing you're you're, you're helping folks a, across the the nation if not the world here with newsletters what's big on your plate coming up
0: well i have to say i'm I'm pretty happy with how it all sort of fits together. I mean, the nice part about not having a job is that, I mean, again, I had a job and it was fine, but it wasn't particularly taking advantage of what I was good at or what I liked. And this is is both of those things. So I don't know. I mean, what's nice is that the clients keep changing, even though what I do is kind of similar. So it doesn't in any way feel monotonous to me and just more of the same. I mean, I'll probably do another book. Um, I've, I've always say publishing a book's like having a child. Every time you do it, you're like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and then like a few years go by and you kind of forget how miserable the process is <laughs> and you have another one. So I'm, I'm kind of due for another one, maybe in another year. I, I have to say also, I like, I like the physical, aspect of it because everything I do is it's either talking or writing out, you know, in the ether. So it's nice to have a book. So anyway, I I occasionally will pull together and I just use pieces of stuff I already wrote. And then next thing you know, you have a book, which again, you you really couldn't have done even 15 years ago as easily today. It's really easy and inexpensive to create a book. So that's probably the next thing.
1: Yeah. Another great reason to have a, a newsletter because you're, you're putting the time and the effort into creating those thoughts and, and helping people. And then you can take that and, and you know, obviously it's not going to just take and dump it into a book, but you're going to take and use the core ideas from those, those articles and newsletters uh, to, to build something that's lasting and has a legacy. I like that. Michael, this has been a terrific conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, where can people find you and learn more about you? And, and I, if, you, if you don't sign up for any newsletter at all in your inbox, get Michael's. You're going to thank yourself for doing it. Uh, but where can they find it at, Michael?
0: You can find my website just at michaelkatz.com, Katz, K-A-T-Z. And uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur
1: Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, Solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can find all the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 025. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I pulled out of the vault of interviews I recorded last year, but somehow never got published. It's my bad, because you just heard Michael is the pro when it comes to email newsletters for solopreneurs. Make sure to head over to Michael's website at michaelcats.com. That's K-A-T-Z, Katz and subscribe to Michael's emails. They're like a twice-monthly free demo of how to write effective newsletters. And when you subscribe, you'll also get his professional service providers, essential reading list, and recommended resources. Next week, I'll share my recent interview with Sean Kunkler on the topic of sales made simple. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast now so you won't miss it. Talk to you next week.